listeners, welcome back to Hossman FC. I'm Nicola Volpi, and I'm joined by... He's taken a break from his grassroots takeover of Real Madrid. It's Roy Cycli. I'm taking a break. They're back on it. They're back on the on the journey to winning the title, unfortunately. And let's see what El Clasico this week, as of today's recording on the 27th, tomorrow, big game. Are you going to apologize to Carlo and Florentino for saying their formation was, and I quote, way too narrow. They won't Wait, win anything this year. They're not going to win anything. All right. I'm, You're sticking by it. I'm sticking by it. We wanted to start with uh, some some big news, but, you know, maybe equally as big news, my five-league uh, five parlay that I submitted when I was back home last week on the title winners across several leagues who I have. And some might say it's terrible, <laughs> some being Vegas. They don't believe in me, but I believe in myself. So I'm going to go with it. Enlighten the listeners on the All right, the so we have Harley. starting in the EPL, Arsenal, to win the title. Mm, after 20 years. Yes. We go to France, and I have Monaco, Winning the title because mm. PSG and their coach, the drama, everything there. I have something to say about PSG, but I'll save it for later. Granted, they're still minus 500 to win the league, even in their current position. So, you know, not looking good for me in that front, but we we move on. We we go past it. Syria. I have AC Milan. <sighs> I think Again, gonna, I have something to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're going to... You know, bow out of Champions League and bow out is a nice way to put it. Not make the Europa League, so they're only going to have one competition to really focus on. And I think their squad depth is only you know able to work with one competition and whatever cups there are in Italy. So what do we go with? We did the three, four. This is the big one. Oh, that's Bayern, Bayern Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. Xabi Alonso, what he's doing there is phenomenal. I I mentioned it, I think, on the first podcast we had here. It's going to, and I think Thomas Tuchel is very overrated. Well, you've called um, him a fraud before. Don't shy he's away. A, he's a fraud. Yeah, he's a fraud. Look what he's doing with some of these games that he, the big games he shows up to. It's just terrible. Oh, terrible. man. And, and Xabi Alonso, actually, no surprises there. He was kind of your crush when he was a player. Oh, Fantastic. Just a luxury player right then. The long pass, maybe the best aesthetically pleasing long pass in the game. You could say maybe David Beckham, but yeah. Chubby yeah, Alonso. People have a decent one too, but we can go Chubby Alonso. Eh. I agree to disagree. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then to round it out, I'm going with a cup competition winner. Oh, okay. In, in Major League Soccer. FC Cincinnati to win the whole shebang. And that's like winning the playoffs or what? It's like winning the playoffs. So it's a bracket for, bracket style. Um, this year, I think they're implementing the first round is a best out of three. So I don't really understand that. I think. Wait, it's just, so they're going full American series on this? Full American series for the oh, cup. God. So one versus eight and you have a home and away and maybe another home game depending on uh, 
who wins two games first, oh, which is really why? Not, why? Why do you think it's so complicated? No, have you? Th- can you like think about that? Like, I think the beauty of a Champions League or any cup competition is two legs. It's yeah. so hard to, at that level, change the tactics and get a leg up whenever uh, the first legs maybe a stalemate or, but. Yeah, best out of three is borderline ridiculous. The third game is just going to be, you know, we literally don't care. We're just going to go all out offense, which is basically what the MLS is right now. So the third game is just a rubber one-off. You just might not get to play it on on your home pitch. But is there an yeah. aggregate scoring? No, no, no. Just best out of three. Okay, so whoever wins more, so could they all go to penalties? No, none of them can go to. Well, I guess the final game can go to the penalties. final one. Oh my God, this like wh- like why I was even a proponent, Roy. Well, hold of up, keeping hold the up. away goals rule in Champions League. Hold up, maybe they do go into penalties. How do you do the best out of three? That's what I mean. Unless a draw know, just counts for know. nothing. Yeah, draw maybe uh, goes to two draws, and then you go to a penalty shootout right away. I don't know. I think it's just the money grab. Um, Obviously, it's a money grab, you know. It's got to be. <laughs> they're not, they're being all, they're all shown on Apple TV. So it's all for the stadium and taking this playoff window that used to be, I think, like three weeks. And now it's from this Sunday through December 8th. So it's like a mini World Cup, but for MLS. Without um, Messi, though. Without Messi, which. He, he made an admirable attempt until he decided he didn't want to play anymore. Until he decided he wanted a four-month holiday. Yeah, he he wanted a holiday and he wanted to play for Argentina with half a hamstring. Fair enough. Fair enough, Lionel. So we have all those. And I I, I splashed a little cash. I had, to, I had to go to the banker and see how much I could get away with. So In that I, put a, I put a big $10 on this bet. But $10, that could net you potentially a lot. We'll be taking this uh, podcast from my private jet if it nets out. So Does does poor Sandro Tonali get a cut of the winnings or too soon? <laughs> I, uh, I saw the best. I think I, I feel sent bad. it to you. I actually feel bad. You should feel bad because AC Milan's going to get dragged into this somehow. Yeah, PIF is going to sue us. That's fun. Yeah, they're going to sue it. Did you know? Volpe, did you know that you had a gambling addict for for a player? I did not know. Um, again, I think, and this is what I've told you since the beginning of these allegations, these guys do something stupid that goes against the rules. They should get punished fine. But the conversation we should really be having is... The jerseys, the well, yeah, sponsors. Why do, why do the... Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Exactly. Why is football in bed with betting companies? and countries too. I mean, the amount of, of tax revenue that comes from these things. Why are they? Why do they get to be in bed on this and then they get to turn to the players and say, oh, no, no, naughty, naughty. Come it on. makes you yearn for the years 2021 and 2022 when every, every Jersey sponsor was some sort of crypto. Uh, oh, my God. Crypto player or agency or something like that inters last year didn't even make it a whole season that they had to get rid of it because they weren't paying sponsorship bills i mean they have the and it was i think a couple years ago every club started to get their own token Uh and then you could like buy and sell tokens for simple things like what's the music going to be for the game 
or if somebody scores a goal and everybody was all in on these and you know everybody buys it's like anything they buy the tokens high and then the club just liquidated the the amount for cash so they might make like you know just use an example 50 million dollars and then you and i who have let's say 500 dollars in this it became zero overnight and it was like no this was for the fans this was all for the fans all oh, absolutely so your voice can be heard and then when that ponzi scheme died they just you know they went the legal way and started putting betting platforms everywhere all the time I can't watch a match. I mean, here in Denmark, they they'll flash live odds uh, every every oh, 10, really? 15 minutes during the game. I'm gonna be watching these with my kid in in 10, 12 years, and I'm gonna have to explain like maybe you shouldn't do Wait, that. So they they flash it where on the little billboards or on the the game itself? On the game itself. So below wow. we'll get you'll get kind of like a little thing like ESPN ticker basically, just with like updated odds on the on on the match you're watching, and then every commercial in the 15 minutes of halftime, like 80 percent of it is the different betting companies. Wow, that it's is nuts. awful. That is awful. Exactly. There's I like mean, also no regulation. Every now and then they'll have like a what? It's not even every game. They'll have like the lot for a very like let's say Arsenal Man City. They'll put the odds at the beginning, like where the score is. But then that's right. it. The commentators don't really talk about it. Nobody really does. And but don't that, you miss the days when like the halftime commercials during sports, especially in the U.S., were just like Viagra and Cialis? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I sure do miss those days. Those are. Uh, Two commercials I have no recollection of being on. When TV I was like yet. ten years old and asking yeah. my my parents, "Hey, what's that Cialis thing? Yeah, like, look at this strong on, dude." <laughs> oh man! Oh, so anyway, yeah. that's my parlay, and you know, we since there's, I I don't feel a lot of faith coming from you right now, and you're not really backing me up here, but the, I think yeah. the one that I struggle with, I mean, okay, maybe maybe Bayer Neverkusen, you know, finally. Finally, does it? Um, the one I think I struggle with most is that league on pick because I just watched PSG uh, two nights ago dismantle Milan three uh, nil, and it could have easily been six or seven. Um, that one I struggle with. That those three up front, their their three up front is Mbappe flanked by Dembele and Colomuani. And you then, think that Bele is going to be healthy for a run? Well, healthier than when they had Neymar, probably. I'd say less, even less yeah. healthy. He's, they call him Dambulance. I, I heard it was just more a discipline thing where he'd stay up till like three in the morning playing PlayStation. Yeah. And then also eat candy and get injured every week. Big candy guy. Big candy guy. Well, but I discovered for the first time I saw live a 17-year-old called Zaire Emery in their midfield. And we talk about Jude every other week on this podcast. This I think they've got good. another one cooking there, dude. This kid's good. 17, and he was he looked like he'd been playing for 20 years on that pitch. Speaking of Jude and just going back to Real Madrid, next year when Mbappe ultimately goes to Madrid, mm. how insane is that team? They start they go from the four two 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 to an actual four three three with Mbappe. Would would Mbappe play like as the nine in between, flanked by Vinny and Rodrigo? Is that what they would try to do? I think they'd have to, right? Well, they're you not, can't get, gonna, unless you sell Vinny. You're not going to sell Vinny. 
But Vinny's so good, man. It's unreal. And the and the shit he has to deal with in that league week in, week out. It's like, it's it's terrible. It is terrible. But that's a crazy an absolute crazy front three. It's scary considering that also they've basically done a whole generational handover in the midfield as well. So they're set for the next 10 years on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. And that's where, according to you, after he wins the Bundesliga, that's where Xabi Alonso is going to be uh, applying his trade next year. I didn't say that. Well, that's what they're saying. The people are hey, saying that. Well, what's that tell you? He's a great coach. He's a great coach. And also, what it, what it's telling me is that Carletto is going to Brazil and is just going to take in the vibes, coaching every couple months. As he should. He doesn't know what to do with the formation. We'll see. We'll Time see. stamp it. What do you have? El Clasico. What do you think the score is going to be? El Clasico, it's at the Camp Nou. Um, I read this morning that Florentino, there's been a total breakdown in the relations between Barcelona and Real Madrid. He's not attending. Um, yeah, maybe that's not very relevant to the result, but you know, just want to, you know, I love the narrative. So um, I need more of the narrative of Barca being just cheaters to to surface a little more. And it really gets me in the mood. Real edges them 0 1. Um, Is Jude hurt? He had a knock apparently, so he's he's probable, likely game time decision type of vibes. Um, Barca has a decimated yeah. squad, though. They did well this week, though, no? Yeah, but who'd they play? They played um, not a big team. No, that's uh, yeah. So I think I think Real gets it, and then uh, and then let's see. I'm uh, now I'm looking at Milan Napoli to kind of save the season on Sunday, but not Milan very optimistically. Well, in uh, in other news, I guess since we got the big news out of the way, you know, yeah, exactly the priority. Uh, congrats to to Nick and your wife on their first child. So that's Thank why we you. were away. It wasn't because of my lack of dedication to the podcast. There was the Volpe family growing by one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we got, uh, I'm actually looking at, at them right now. He can't fit them yet, but we got both a Milan shirt with 10 on the back and Leo, his short name written on top, which actually, once we received it, I realized looks like they just misspelled Leo because it's also the same number <laughs> of his shirt. And then he's got a, a Spurs body here. And well, that, then, will never, that will fit him. That will go in the trash. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, my, my wife doesn't listen to this anyway. So, yes, exactly. And then uh, my father, the Fiorentina supporter, showed up yes. with a Fiorentina scarf and actually, like, uh, already uh, already did that baptism of fire. So, poor kid. I mean, he'll have his work cut out for him. Um, and we'll take it from there. But according to you, Milan's going to win the title this year. Hey, so they're going to win this year. They better. They better. So, after the break, we'll come back and uh, Roy is going to serve us up with, uh, with a little treat. It's a big treat. Listeners, welcome back to Hussman FC. I'm just going to hand it straight over to Roy. He wants to talk about something called Major League Soccer. Roy, what is this about? Why should our listeners care? And what are we going to do with it? All right. So this weekend, the like we mentioned in the earlier segment, MLS Cup is back. The playoffs are back. And for those who don't watch MLS, because let's be honest, a lot of European Listeners, football watchers, they're not going to stay up till, you know, 2 a.m. their time to watch Major League Just Soccer. arrogant. Unbelievable. 
arrogant. It's uncalled for. You know, I wake up at 6.30 a.m. to watch my team. You should you're have to sick stay in up. the head, though. But yeah. yeah, you're sick in the head. Um, so I thought it would be fun to talk about some of the journeys uh, of some of the players that have made the journey from European soccer, maybe at the heights of their career, at the the twilight of their career to come to Major League Soccer, why they would come to MLS, and really what the league has to offer. It's very different for those who aren't aware than other European leagues. There's no promotion, relegation um, mm-hmm. to start off with, which really, I think, takes that's the the biggest flaw with MLS, in my opinion. Um, and the league you know, keeps getting bigger and bigger. They add like two, three teams every season. <laughs> Bigger and bigger, they add teams, and this is where it gets kind of tricky. There's a, and it, you've seen it with a lot of the American owners. They're you know billionaires, and it's a very stable, safe investment, like any American sports league is, relative mm-hmm. to investing in something in Europe where there is the promotion relegation. But the buy-ins have increasingly gone up. So, for example, um, a Las Vegas team was about to be created. But to get the franchise fee, it was going to be $350 million. Oh, wow. So that's just to get the, the fee. So you can you don't have a stadium. Right. You you need to bring in player to bring in fans, you need to have big stars. Yeah, you're not uh, buying an established team, which for that price tag, you could buy an established top four City A team at the moment, for example. Exactly. And I think that's where it, it really gets complicated for for MLS um, in this in this scenario. So I forgot his name, but there was a an owner who just bought Bournemouth last year. They said, "Why would you pay two hundred fifty million for Bournemouth?" Right, and he said, "Listen, I wanted to fran- I wanted to stay in America." He's an American owner. He's like, "I wanted to stay in America, but to just get a franchise fee for my city was going to cost me three hundred million. Why would I do that when I have a, a stadium?" an attractive, the most popular league in the world. Right. The foundation right there where I could just pay that and take the risk knowing that over the course of the next, you know, five, 10 years, my investment is already just going to be making returns relative to starting a new club from the, from the ground and being terrible for a few years. And, um, if it's not in a big market, it's tough. So those are the high level MLS, what makes it a little bit different than other leagues. But here's what I do like about MLS, which I wish other leagues could implement in a way. They mm-hmm. have a salary cap. So like NBA, yeah, NFL, there is a salary cap. There is a little caveat here. So the salary cap this year for the MLS, for the, the, the senior squad, which is, you know, players one through 20 is six and a half million dollars. And then you have on top of that scattered in little caveats of, you know, homegrown players don't count mm-hmm. into that. Right. So your built your wage bill can go fluctuate a little bit. But homegrown means homegrown, not, you know, they're nineteen years old. They came from Argentina. This is somebody who's in Columbus. They go through the academy and they they play for the team. So that's homegrown, which I guess should be applied everywhere, which it's not. Um, you know, for example, I think Gabriel Martinelli is a homegrown player because he came to mm-hmm. Arsenal at such a young age. Right. So you have these caveats, but here's the biggest one of them all. 
you can have three designated players which do not fall in the six and a half million dollar salary budget. Mm-hmm. So what this means every, is that every popular U.S. destination, your New York's, your L.A., um, to an extent, your Orlando, your Miami, where you might have some South American players have the the culture there that they're they're making the leap to. Mm-hmm. They get the big name players that we're going to talk about. So you're not yeah. going to see somebody show up at Real Salt Lake to uh, take the next step of the of the journey there. And so I wanted to see what what kind of bifurcation there is in terms of the big names, the big cities. Do they really perform well? Um, and is it worth it for the MLS versus, let's say, bringing up these homegrown talents and getting European clubs to start poaching them? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes a big deal. For example, there's the I think the the most high profile has been Miguel Almiron. Yeah, Miggy Miggy came through at Atlanta, and I think they sold him for fifteen, sixteen million, and that set them up for huge success. Like, and had a great season at Newcastle last year. Last year, it took him a little while. And there's mm-hmm. um, Duran from Aston Villa. He was at the Chicago Fire, eighteen year old. Yeah, he's He's a tank. He's massive. Yeah. I think he has a huge future. Um, and they also have the goalie that from the Chicago Fire, Chelsea bought. Between those two players, I think it was close to $30 million. For an MLS club, that's incredible. Again, the salary that the cap is $6.5 million. So if you could make a sale of $18 million, mm-hmm. you are raking in the money big time for, for what you're getting. Um so yeah, that's that's where I wanna to to turn this conversation eventually and um wanna know who you're start off with. Who's your favorite MLS team? My favorite MLS team. Now when I was in the US and uh, and watching a bit of MLS during the, the European football offseason, Minnesota United wasn't there yet, right? Um, it was the years of uh, of the Beckham experiment. It was the years of uh, New York Red Bull coming up, uh, and so you know I didn't really didn't really have my own team. The closest thing we had, and that was the first you know MLS and I think last MLS jersey I I got when I was <laughs> ten years old was of the Chicago Fire, um, and then uh, so I I would go Chicago Fire at the time. Now I'm more you know Minnesota United representing. Well, do you, do you know who many Minnesota United's uh, designated player is? Um, I isn't Timu Puki. Timu Puki, yes, from plays Finland. for the yeah, Minnesota. He's, and I I know it because I was watching the the Danish national team play the Finnish one with my wife uh, like a month yeah. ago or so, and uh, and Timu Puki was there, and they're like Timu Puki from Minnesota United, and I'm like, what? The Timo Puki, the Minnesota United. There's um, some weird. Uh, there's a time where Didier Drogba went to Montreal. I remember that. Yeah, shaved um, head Didier Drogba, and now he he's an owner of the Phoenix team, which is the in the the United Soccer League, which is under the MLS. But again, there is no promotion or relegation, so they're just in that separate league that's yeah. under. Um, yeah, I think my my team's got to be FC Cincinnati. Um, so, Volpe, when we were in college, yeah, FC Cincinnati did not exist. No, as a not at all. Team. 
However, my sophomore year, I had a friend who was playing in a semi-pro league, and he came. Is it the friend who met Maron Shamak at the toilet in Columbus? Different friend, different friend. Oh, wow. Um, Shout out to Drew, who was on this this team, and they were playing a uh, amateur professional team, FC Cincinnati, at Xavier's turf field. Okay, they didn't even have their own uh, place. No, they played at Xavier's field. Oh, wow. Um, And so that was 2013. Flash forward 10 years, they have, like, not exaggerating, one of the nicest football stadiums in the world. Mm -hmm. And Cincinnati, it wins all these awards, everything. Football, or, you know, soccer, football specific. And they're top of their league going in and why I made my, my bet. But... They have some players which I think are going to then be sold for some decent profits to European clubs. They've already been rumored. They sold a player this year for $10.5 million. I think they got him for two from South America, and he did not like Cincinnati, so he lasted a couple <laughs> of years and, and, and dipped out. But I think it's really interesting that you said Chicago Fire was your first jersey because, yeah. you know, being in Chicago for a couple of years, went to a few games. It's got to be one of the most, like, one of the worst sporting atmospheres I've ever been to. I can imagine yeah. in my life. And so, this is another issue with MLS. Not every team has their own stadium. So, right. Chicago Fire playing the Bears American Soldier Football Field. Soldier Field Stadium with the, so, with the lines on the field, right? Half the time. No, they 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 changed that aspect. Did they so figure they, that out? They figured that out for Good that. For but <laughs> this is the this is the, the the tough part. Imagine a Tuesday away or Tuesday game against a really small market team, mm-hmm. and trying to fit in how many people, maybe like three thousand max into oh, Soldier God. Field, which seats about seventy thousand. You can actually hear the ball echoing when a player hits it from one side, like switching the field. It's tough. And then so I don't think you get a lifelong fan if they go to a game and they watch that mm-hmm. versus now what we're seeing in Inter-Miami. They have a really cool stadium. Right. A really cool player. Oh, that's that's Bill, like, right? That's kind of Bill. a really cool player. Who's yeah. That? Sergio Busquets, um, awesome, awesome guy. Very progressive and uh, and fun to watch. Fun, fun to watch. Have you? I think we talked about it. Before. Have you seen the clip of Sergio Busquets? I think it's his first league game, and Tata Martina on Martino on the sideline is yelling at him, and he's yelling back. And it's because every time he turns, he's expecting a player to be on him, and his whole game is turn the player, pass it, and move. But there There's would be no one there. No one, and so Martino was saying, like, take your space, root, run forward, and like he yeah. refused to do it because he he was just like, this is not what I I don't run, make forward runs with the ball. So, um, just really interesting there. But but I have a question for you before we get into the players, um, which goes somewhere along the lines of of what's the point uh, of the MLS. But I'll tell you how I got there. So coming into this discussion, I was like. I started, I, I assumed also based on what I've been seeing and especially the last five years, hey, MLS has really grown and it's more fun and it's improved uh, a lot, right? And then on the other hand, I've said, hey, 
U.S. men's national team in terms of consistency, in terms of the type of players that are on there and that develop compared to when you and I were kids, night and day, fantastic. And I'm like, okay, so one thing is feeding the other, right? But then you go look at the U.S. men's national team from the the recent call-ups here in October, two players, two out of like 23 selected that actually ply their trade in the MLS. A ton of them, the Pulisics of the world, the Timothy Weahs, etc., that have never played a game in MLS. So this is a league where the best talent, quote-unquote homegrown talent, tries to get out as soon as possible, maybe still in their teens, and the top European talents that come over are usually on those end-of-career retirement contracts, as we're seeing. So it's kind of like, is it actually better? Is it becoming something that's a must-watch? Or are we just on the opposite end of the spectrum than 20 years ago? Yeah, I think it only works in America, to be honest with you, which is not mm. a cop-out answer. Um, That's fair. So the season isn't traditional European European season. They start sometimes as early as early January, and they end the regular season already ended last week. Mm-hmm. And playoffs is through December. You have to compete with so much more in America. Yeah, and versus- athletes to attract to the sport. Yeah, and athletes to attract the sport, which, you know, soccer, football popularity in America is, I think, now like third or fourth. It's it's uh, for kids starting. It's mm-hmm. gotten higher than baseball, America's pastime. Right. So I think there's a lot there, but like you mentioned, all these players, the age they're at now, they're, they're leaving to, at an earlier age, to more technical, you know, programs, Borussia Dortmund with Pulisic, for example, Uh uh you're not going to get that in, in, in America. And one thing again, that wouldn't make sense to a lot of people when Zlatan actually, you know, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of his off field personality, but Uh when he talked about how broken the system is in America, where I think he has daughters or sons wanting to play for a team two boys and the local team was free but they weren't good and to take him to a technical program he had to drive like an hour outside of LA but then also it was really expensive and for Zlatan to say that's expensive that's the issue with you know the right. grassroots of of the sport where you have to go somewhere you have to pay a lot of money um and for what at the end of it like a payoff that might not be there mm-hmm. um so I think that's where you're seeing like the issue there, and that's where I think like MLS being a feeding ground to go to European football would show like you know, this is what the league is. I do think the quality has gotten a lot, a lot better. Like mm-hmm. if you ever came to America and we were to watch a game in person, you'd you'd probably and you know I'm a a football snob just like you are. You'd say, wow, this is actually a lot faster paced than right I would have thought. Um, one thing that I I constantly mention to my friends that watch, like, what do you think of the midfield? And they're like, there is there is no midfield. It's okay. It's everyone just paper thin. Yeah. It's just everyone runs forward. There's so many chances, and it's just really high octane mm. in terms of like that's what we do in terms of American sports, right? Everyone's right. super athletic, super yeah. super fast. Maybe don't have the technical skill that, let's say, a uh, a diminutive Spanish player would have, but yeah. we're going to compensate for with that, with just power, strength, size. Well, it's the NBA on grass is essentially what they're, I mean, yeah, essentially. Here, right? yeah. Um, 
And then every player that lacks that physicality is the, the flair player, the technical player. Right. Um, <laughs> Just because he slows down the game a bit and can control slows down, the and they're always they're always tiny, they're always small, and um, they're everyone's fan favorite because you know they can't wrap their heads around the fact that like a five foot seven guy can be <laughs> the most technically gifted player on the field. Right. So yeah, with all that being said, I wanted to talk about five players who some some may know, some may not know, came to MLS and, you know, I think did the league a service and were really talented and they they showed up. They they delivered on the hype and their designated player role. Yeah. And I would make no we don't even have to ask if they're a designated player or not. I think every player that came over from Europe they're going to the one of the teams, the New York teams, LA teams, and uh, they're making a lot of money. And actually, that's a good point that you raised now and also earlier is the one of where are these players going? I never thought about it that way of if these guys are coming over at... Are you there? That if these guys are coming over at, you know, 33, 34, 35 with their families, they're not going to want to go to to Kansas City. So what used to be Kansas City Wizards is now sporting Kansas City, right? They're going to want to go to Miami or LA or whatever. So that's also a very, very fair point. I want to make one, and this is for all the Arsenal fans out there. There was a a, a kid when I was in college, Jet, Jetian Zelalem. He was supposed to be the next chubby but with like the athleticism of Vieira like the past the quality and everyone was like this this guy is the next like you thought Jack Wilshere is good this this kid (laughs) is I turned on I think it was like two years ago a random game on TV it was on ESPN and he's like he at the time was like 27 28 he was Uh playing for Sporting Kansas City but he was making his third appearance of the season he couldn't break in, and they were like, he kind of lacks the technical ability in this league, the commentator said. So um, it just tells you, man, that the league's, it's its kind of like if he was that talented, he would just walk in there and play every week. So just making a little little comparison note there for, for everyone. Fair. So should we get into these players? Let's do it. All right, man. Go. So I want to start with, who I would I'm going five to one. So my fifth, and he played for New York's NYCFC. So the the latest New York team, David Villa. What a player! He came over with Pirlo and Lampard. Yeah, those are the three players. He scored 126 goals. Or in, sorry, in 126 games, he scored 86 goals. That's, That's and he was supposed to be at the you know, end of his career, but performing well enough where he got a, a Spain call-up in 2017. That's nuts. And I don't think in general, even European career, we talk enough about David Villa because he was consistently, you know, post-Valencia when he was at Barca, he was the fourth, maybe even fifth best player on the on that team, right? But he was so important. You remember that Champions League final in 2011. Unbelievable. Yeah, just 
goal scoring machine and really fun to watch. Fluid player. Very and underrated. And the MLS. He came over, you know, without being too aged or damaged and uh no, he, right he, he really liked the league too. I and we can we'll talk about them later, but the other two that came along with him were like absolute haters of the league for <laughs> everything it had to offer. Um I remember there was the Andre Pirlo upset that he had to travel for a game from L from New York to LA. So it's like a six hour flight and then they have to come back and they play another game somewhere else where it was a three hour flight and he was like, This is not how you live your life. No, uh, I, I think he really expected to, you know, be on an extended holiday when he came over to the MLS. So Yeah. They didn't get the memo. No, they didn't get the memo. So I, that, that was what I you know, I think they they didn't win anything with Bia, but he he was the star for a few years, right? Like everybody in New York with he, you're, he's like, what, David V is in MLS? He's really yeah. killing it right there. So um, that was going to be my number five there. What about you? So I have here, and uh, now I'm thinking in terms of particular order, my fifth, and this is, you know when you always ask me, oh, name one Juve uh, or Inter player you, you liked, you know, to provoke me, because uh, you know the answers. There was one interplayer which I really liked in the early 2000s that then came over to the MLS to the Seattle Sounders and kind of killed it for a couple seasons. Obafemi, Oba Oba Martins, the he Nigerian did. striker. You yeah, remember he him? Yeah, he did. He's a strong player, right? Very, very, and fast, dynamic. Yeah. Like, you put them on that lineup front, I think he would actually be better in today's football than he was even then. Um, oh, I think so. Let's say a Nigerian Kun Aguero. That's kind of the vibe I'm going for here. For the I story. mean, that's, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but... Uh... Um, but yeah, so he he shows up to, uh, to Seattle, and I think he plays two seasons before actually then being called to, to China, because, okay, at the time when China called, you, you know, you go to China, and he scores actually... 43 goals in 84 appearances. Um, That's not bad. Sounders. Almost a goal a game. Exactly. Sounders um, a good team. Sounders a good team. I think at the time they were also like up there competing and, and winning cups, right? So, and, and actually a big fan base that always liked soccer even before they went into the MLS, right? Up there yeah. Pacific Northwest. Um, so yeah, Oba Oba is my fifth. Oba and Oba. I think, you know, Oba Oba, to be honest... Had they had they given him a bit more of of the ball at Inter um, and at Newcastle afterwards, he could have been one of the best players in Europe. Interesting, interesting take there. Yeah, uh, speaking that's what of I'm here for speaking of Juve, I have on number four on my list Sebastian Giovinco. Yeah, I have him also on my list, and maybe four, even higher than four. Yeah, maybe I, that four was tough. Um, yeah, so 114 games. 68 goals and 52 assists for Toronto. Mm-hmm. So what was his nickname? The Atomic Ant? Yeah, in Italian, La Formica Atomica. Five so, foot five. Yeah, he, he, he's, a, he's a he's a small smaller guy. Um, yeah, but, so what I have him as number four, like he got the MVP, all of that. Mm-hmm. But that one year where he was with, I think, Josie Altador, the striker partnership there, they took Toronto from the last place team in the league collectively 
to number one. And for Toronto, a smaller market team, I think that's incredible. Absolutely. And he would do everything. Like, for, I, I don't think he could even be one of the persons. Like, somebody considered to take a free kick when he was at Juve. He was scoring free kicks, bicycles, left, right, like, run by everybody. He was so, he was so much faster than all the defenders. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they could handle the technical ability that he had. So he had to run there, I think, for three years or so. Was just incredible for Toronto. And in fact, so incredible that he managed to get called back to the Italy national yeah, team. Same, I think same thing with the yeah. Italy. And they even took him to that 2014 World Cup uh, in Brazil, I think. But yeah, Jovinko, again, he was one of these players where I remember when he emerged, you know, maybe around 06, 07 uh, with Juve and they were sending him on loan places like Empoli. Like it was, people thought this is the next big thing for uh, for the Italian team. And then, you know, it, it never really caught on. Maybe, you know, Juventus was, was too big of a shirt for him, but it was kind of, you know, a heartwarming story in a way that he went over uh, the pond and, and he really just made it work and he enjoyed it. Like he was, even while he was at Toronto, he was getting offers to come back routinely and he didn't take them because he's like, I'm enjoying my football, I'm enjoying my life and I'm performing better than than I ever have in Italy. So why not? Yeah. And he was loved by the fans, so... Big time. I don't know. I don't. And he was again. He was making a ton of money. So I don't know what else you need yeah. professionally at that point. That's a player actually where maybe going over there that early, uh, years wise in his career, he actually ended up making more money by going to the MLS at that stage than had he stayed, you know, with Parma or whatever in Italy. Yeah. Jovinko. I agree there. So we have him. We're sharing the list. I'm wondering if the the rest is going to be. Uh, well, I put a bunch of names that that I want to discuss anyway. So I'm calling a few audibles here. <laughs> um, uh, my my next one. Um, and this for me, you know, I again I said you know Chicago Fire fan here, uh, die hard. At the time, on Chicago Fire was an enigma of a player, a treat of a player. The Mexican Cuauhtémoc Blanco, the number 10 of the... He had come from Club America. He had then gone over to Europe. It didn't really work out. Um, and uh, and he ended up at Chicago Fire where he was there for, for you know, a couple seasons, two seasons to be precise, <laughs> and uh, played 62 games, had, had 16 goals as a number 10. Um, but he stayed in all those years as a focal point of the Mexican national team to the point where he shows up to that 2010 World Cup, he had to have been, you know, easily 15 pounds overweight, long sleeves because it was winter in South Africa at the time. And he comes on uh, for like the last couple minutes of this game against France and they get a penalty and uh, and he steps up. He's the veteran. He's Cuauhtémoc Blanco. Longest run up for a penalty I've ever seen. <laughs> 15 pounds overweight. He nets it. And I'm like, this is awesome. Also, France lost. So it was it was even better. But yeah, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, who was one of the better number 10s of Mexico, he played on Club America from 1992 to 2007, scoring 108 goals and 308 appearances as an old school number 10. So yeah, that's my that's my guy, man. Interesting there. Probably two years because he couldn't do any more uh, Portillo's in Chicago. No, too exactly. Many, 
too many hot dogs. You have to get out of there because the agent was begging him to get out there. Yeah, deep dish right next to the stadium. <laughs> oh man, carbo um, load. And and within that, and you'll probably bring up others, but there is something to be said also evaluating the Mexican players as a whole that come over to MLS. I think there's there's a lot of interesting ones there. I have. I, I want to save it for the end, but I have the best take on a Mexican legend playing in the MLS. I um, know who it's going to be. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next on my list, and quite frankly, he could have been number one, was Robbie Keane. He could have been number one, Robbie Keane, when listen he went to, to the Galaxy or what? Listen to this. 125 games played, mm. 82 goals, 45 assists. He was that prolific. I mean, how many goals did I just say? Uh, 82? How many somersaults do you think this man did? After his goals, he scored. That's true. That was his celebration. I want to see the real stat of celebrated somersaults expected to goals. And I didn't mention, actually, Oba Martins was also a big sum, but he would do like a triple backflip. Yeah, he was the the backflip guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was an athlete. Robbie Keane was incredible. Like, genuinely a fantastic goal scorer in MLS. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, also, like, his record in the Premier League isn't bad at all, especially that stint at uh, at Spurs, right? I mean, Robbie Keane was a, was a solid player, one of the, maybe the best Irish player uh, post-namesake Roy Keane. Yeah, and we'll see in 10 years' time if Evan Ferguson takes that title. Well, maybe. Brighton, Brighton player. He looks like he's got it all as well. Or if he just comes over to the MLS next year. Just for the vibes. Oh, hey, man, if Evan Ferguson ends up in the MLS, there's something wrong with his career. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Robbie Keane. And, but We're... the reason I don't have him number one is at the time, like LA, they have all the quote unquote star players. Mm-hmm. And then players that even aren't in the designated roster, they want to play in LA. And everybody wants to play in LA. So, if you can make your money playing in, a small market or LA, you're going to run your contract down, and you're going to you're going to play for the Galaxy. Definitely. Uh, speaking of big markets, I have one that went to New York. This one's for you. It's Titi Henry, my number two. Yeah, well, there you go. I think with Henry, if I remember, and now I'm also looking at the stats. I mean, he was scoring, you know, every other game, every third game. Uh, 52 goals and 135 appearances uh, across all the competitions while he was at the Red Bulls. And he enjoyed being in New York. Um, From how I remember, it still does a lot of respect for his time in the MLS. You know, he's doing a lot of work on the American TV now. And just just a step back on Lee's career, the, the vibe cities here, apart from one, but you'll guess which one that is, Monaco... Then he went to Torino to play for Juve. Didn't really work out. But he hated his life there. Exactly. London, Barcelona, New York. I mean, I don't this think he guy gets better. knew I, what he was doing. And not only that, you're in this. You you start off in Monaco as a as a young lad. Then you become the king in London. You go to Barcelona. You get to play with Messi and that squad. Learn under Pep. And then you you ended off in in New York City, where you're popular enough across the world, where people know that you're the the guy. You're still the king. Yeah. And what I I remember, yeah, you know, seeing this article where teammates and coaches were just 
very impressed that Henri would show up with like full knowledge of every team he's playing in MLS, like their players, how they're doing. And he would take it very seriously to the point where he was the culture guy in New York. Yeah. And, Which and is I, crazy for somebody at what he went over at his age, I think at like 34, almost yeah. 35. But played four seasons, five seasons. And let's remember he came over, I think, okay, a couple years already into the Beckham experiment. Since this is dubbed, you know, the Beckham rule, actually, if it wasn't for Beckham, brand Beckham with Victoria and everything, the first elite player they had come in, I would make the argument, is T.A. Henry. It could have been. I I mean, I remember at the time, I'd be at soccer tournaments and everything, and then when you're closer to New York and everything, mm-hmm. so many Red Bull jerseys, Henry, right. Henry, Henry. And to the point where, like, he was making, like, Sports Center. That bicycle kick that he had in the one of the mm-hmm. playoffs um, sticks out. He did the iconic celebration, leaning on the corner flag like he's exhausted after he scores the... Uh, <laughs> I'm a After he scored his goal. And, yeah. And what I personally remember most fondly about this time is he went on loan to Arsenal for that January in, I think, 2012... Uh, when we had a striker oh, yes. crisis and yeah. that that the goal, goal against Leeds, the return of the king, uh-huh. I remember so, where, where I was watching it with my brother. I think it was the first game I watched with my younger brother um, and just going crazy. It was like the coolest, coolest moment um, that I had experienced. So shout out Henri. No off season. He just went straight into uh a one-month loan, and then went back to the the Red Bulls. And he celebrated. And Henri was known for almost never celebrating his goals. He could not hold the emotion in on that one. Yeah, that was epic. Legend, legend TT. Okay, who you got next? So that was my number two. My number one is going to be a player that I probably talked <laughs> No, <laughs> but he's he's taken the, the lead by storm. Uh Carlos Vela. Of course. 152 games, 78 goals, 58 assists. In 2019, he got the golden golden boot and the league MVP. Last year, 2022, they won the, the cup, the league cup, as LAFC. So it's kind of like for, for NBA fans, it's the same thing where Lakers, Clippers, LAFC was being seen as the the Clippers of Los Angeles. No one wanted to go there. Carlos Vela was, when they became, you know, LAFC, he was the guy that went there. He made the move from Spain mm-hmm. to this to this LA club, and he almost single-handedly started that rivalry. Like, openly, was smack talk, the LA Galaxy. He became the club captain. Um, kind of a journeyman career up until that point, but he became LAFC to the point where... Quite frankly, I'm sure there was a lot of noise about Gareth Bale when he joined LAFC mm-hmm. um, for his stint, but the he wouldn't be the guy that they're showing on like the picture of the matchup. It would be Carlos Vela, and that was the impact that he had. So he took the league very seriously, which I think is important, and really bought into the culture, LAFC culture, that they were creating and the rivalries with teams and mm-hmm. um the the fact that he knew that he was the guy, and I don't know if he had that anywhere else in his career, 
um, where his technical ability. So I think now he's like 34. He had the pace in the beginning, lost the pace, but his technical ability, the left foot, he really, I think changed, changed the, changed the league in terms of, you know, he wasn't a quote unquote, a list celebrity, but for fans of MLS, he has become one of the more iconic players. I think that, you know, you wouldn't think of when you think of, you know, transplants into the league. Mm. And he's got crosstown rival Chicharito playing on uh, on the Galaxy, right? So that's quite a yeah. Chicharito's a, a, a hit and miss there, though. So yeah, he does yeah. a lot of a lot of complaining, obviously, but a lot of criticism of his own teammates. Sometimes the league, he gets hurt a lot. Um, but they had, you know, if anybody wants to look up some LAFC versus LA Galaxy. There are so many like four, three, three, two right, exactly. matches where it's all 90th minute winners um, and really heated, heated rivalries, which is great. But let's touch on Carlos Vela real quick because he went to the MLS at 29 and he was still performing in Europe. He was playing on Real Sociedad. He was goals, assists, doing his job. Why did he go so early? He could have stayed and still well, done a couple I, more years in La Liga, if not the there, Premier League. There was a few. So I think Premier League was out, obviously. Mm. I don't think he wanted to go back. He didn't do well. I don't think he enjoyed the, 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 like the culture, the language barrier there. Uh-huh. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was an issue with Carlos Vela and the Mexican national team where he did not play for the Mexican national team for comments he said about a coach or the federation one time. Okay. So there's, there's, there was really no point for him to say, I need to stay in this this league or that league to get consideration for a call-up. Mm-hmm. It was what's better for me, what's better for probably my career, my family, and getting probably a contract like that in LA, which is predominantly Spanish-speaking anyway. Right. It wasn't right. going to feel like a huge change. Um, and Sociedad at that time was out of the Champions League. So probably just a new... You know, he'd been, he'd been there for several years, but a new change of scenery. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember him coming coming up at Arsenal and being one of the most promising players. Uh, ran, I ran into him when I was in uh, Florence. Oh, yeah? Just the on the day, street? So, yeah, so the, we got out of the airport of Florence, my family and I. <laughs> I'm wearing uh, the the gold Arsenal away kit. Oh, God. And uh, <laughs> walked out of the walk out of the restroom, and my brother's like, Roy, who who's this team? And Real Sociedad was walking down, just walk, all walking in their jerseys and their war and their tracksuits. Nice. I was like, that's Sociedad. And at the end, it's Carlos Vela, and he sees me and my kid. I like point at him, like, oh. he got traded the day before to Sociedad. So he gives me a little thumbs up and just keeps on walking. Oh, there you and go. And now I was trying to explain to my brother, like he could have been so good, and. uh yeah, that is a, what could have been. But, you know, happy for him. He's managed to to make the MLS something for him. Um, on my list, I mean, you've taken most of mine uh, now. Uh, it, it has become a join list. But I know you wanted, before we finish, before we wrap up, you wanted to touch upon some failures. So uh, I'll let you take that. Yeah, so in this one with tongue-in-cheek, I want to start with Zlatan saying that it was respectful. Zlatan is my number one, by the way, just to balance it out. Okay, but why? He didn't win anything, 
But then he has the arrogance to say on his final away, I save MLS. Go back to watching baseball. Yeah, I mean, come on. Um, so I have that <laughs> one there. And then another one, just an honorable mention, Gonzalo Higuain was one of the Ooh. most absolute poachers in world football. He went to Inter Miami, and I don't know if you've typed in Gonzalo Higuain Miami. Yeah. He was enjoying his life. He went full bald, huge beard. He could not break. He could not sit in between the center backs to to run off the defender. So his game was essentially worthless. Like he couldn't do anything to the point where he retired at 34 last season. I think he may have turned 35, but he was the coach at Inter Miami. I think was Neville at the time. Phil. Phil. They were using him as like a a motivational comeback story. Like he's going to be our impact sub coming off the bench. And it was honestly really tough to watch. Like when he was in Madrid, one of my favorite players, yeah. just the the spark and his knack, his knack for getting a goal was just incredible. Um, he loved his mayonnaise. He he would get on the field, and I know it's humid in Miami. Within two minutes, like he looked like he jumped in a pool. Oh man! And and ironically, isn't his brother considered like an MLS legend? Yeah, his younger or older brother was yeah. playing for Columbus. Was really. Really talented, but it tells you that they never hyped up that rivalry, uh, probably because Gonzalo never never got to the level he should have been. Um, but then I have three that are really, I think, flops. Just the one first... second. Just I want the listeners to know how much you've disrespected Salatan, who in 58 appearances scored 53 goals. I just throw that out there. I don't want any more on it. What I don't want to discuss it. Just 53 goals in 58 games. I think those uh, those are some uh, Wikipedia stats right there. But yeah, what he wrote them himself or what? I will say his opening game where he scored that first goal was like what forty five yard just mm-hmm. chipped a keeper. Yeah, and then the celebration he he didn't know any of his teammates. That's what I loved about it was <laughs> he he didn't know who they were. He didn't care. He was just like he was. It was like it was a cultural moment where this guy was so ignorant to everything, but. He was like, I am going to go out on Jimmy Kimmel and call myself God. And let's see what happens. They lapped Um, it up. Yeah, they lapped it up. So, okay, whatever. We'll take, well, I'm still keeping his time there. But so the first real flop I thought was Frank Lampard that he was making when he went to New York City with Pierlo and um, David Villa. Mm. He was making six million a year, tail end of the season. and the first season he was there, he actually played very well, 15 goals in 29 games. Uh, but then he played 10 games in 2015. <laughs> and uh, then after he played 19 games the year after. And to put that in perspective, he played less than half of the available games and was making $6 million a year to the point where he just was like, I'm good. I'm going to go back to the Manchester City Club and mm-hmm. just ride it out from there. So he did virtually you know, nothing, almost as bad as Steven Gerrard's time in L.A. Yeah, Do you that remember that? Rough. Yeah, yeah. That and was Alex, rough. Yeah. Um, so, but just the money, the hype, the player that was like, they were saying like, oh, it's going to be like Henri, same age, coming into the league. He's going to dominate it. And 
either the body gave up, he gave up. Um, but it was it was just really disappointing for who a player who I thought would be like incredible in Major League Soccer, but did not work out like that. Frankie Lambs, who was always a player where, you know, if he didn't train at a hundred percent and had those two, three extra kilos was totally different, right? From the beginning. He was never the most athletically gifted. And you know what? Quite frankly, Frank Lampard, one of the most overrated midfielders of that generation. I'll go out there and say it. Okay. I mean I mean uh, yeah. Relative to Gerard, he was overrated, I think. Right. If I put that in the same. So he was a rated player. He was rated. He was um, rated. Um, you know who was really highly rated in Europe at the time before he made the switch to MLS and Mexican legend. Do you know who I'm talking about? Giovanni dos Santos. Rafa Marquez. Oh, oh man. You know he's one of my favorite players. So this is where I I I read I read this and he you know, he went at the same time as Tim Cahill. Thierry Henry, and this article on goal has him unanimously voted by MLS fans as the worst ever player signed in Major League Soccer. Oh, come on. That's not fair. It was the... He he hated everything. Absolutely <laughs> everything about New York City, about Major League Soccer. He stayed there for three years because he had a contract that he was getting paid. Absurd money. And after the first year, New York tried selling. No one wanted him because of the way he would publicly talk about the league, the teams, his his teammates' lack of professionalism. Mind you, he was teammates with Thierry Henry and Tim Cahill. He was he has the record for the most red cards in a single season. Rafa Marquez, that's in not MLS. He was such a class player at Boston, and then in an important playoff match he gets a red card like a blatant red card just because he didn't want to play like it was one of those where he got the red card and he even wait for it he just walks down the tunnel like that's my he, kind of energy he, he didn't want to be there <laughs> he he probably told the coach like hey i don't want to start and the coach like you're starting like, all right well um and got a couple I, I have a few more minutes there but i just want to say the best exit he's ever had after his time at a club he went out there, and you know how players have, like, farewell messages? I love the city. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. He went and used his time on his, like, post to say, like, I hated my time here. The, my teammates were, like, basically beneath me. This is the worst club, worst professional decision. But, like, it's all behind me now, and I can move forward. Um, so that was Rafa Marquez, who is... People like, you know, Gerard Piquet, for example, saying, like, he's going to be a future coach of Barca. He's coaching of. Barcelona B at the moment. Yeah, they say he's going to be a future coach. It's like, you wouldn't expect that from a... Wow, you're ruining one of my low-key idols here. Because then he went back to Europe, actually. He went uh, to play at, the, at Verona, I think, for one or two seasons after. So yeah. he still had the legs. And the, the final one, I know we got to wrap it up. And you know who it's going to be. It's an Italian player. Current. Current. Does he play for the national team? Uh, no, no. Lorenzo? Insigne. So Who? he's on Toronto FC right now. 
And he, to say he's having a tough time is a little bit of an understatement. Um, oh, quite he doesn't most speak recently, English. Doesn't speak English, has made zero attempts to, <laughs> to, even to learn try. the language. Um, so much so that they brought his buddy Bernadeschi. Is that, am I saying that right? Yeah, Bernadeschi. Bernadeschi. Both, both Euro champions just two years ago. Euro champions. Bernadeschi is still kind of playing. Insigne has been hurt, quote unquote, but like there's been videos of him like just, you know, <laughs> jogging in the city. Like that's the best part. Like he's doing non football related activities, but he's still saying he's hurt. Uh, Bernadeschi vaping in the club locker room on the club bus. Um, they told him he's not allowed to smoke. He was like ripping cigs apparently. And like after training, then he switched to vaping and they're, they're both being paid. I think, uh, Insigne is being paid. He's the second highest paid player in the league after Lionel Messi. So he's making about 17 million a year. And uh, yeah, yeah. most recently in his stint on the bench, a fan was criticizing him. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to curse on this podcast, but just go for it. Um, the three, the three Italian or the three English words that he seems to know are "fuck you," "respect," and that's all he said in this hey, video. Respect, though, respect—that's <laughs> unbelievable. He, he said it so many times, and he was just like, just and he, he wanted to fight the stand, and then he came out and, you know, he goes through the PR apology and how this is a tough time in his uh, in his career because of the new location, the area, all this stuff, and. To put matters worse, Toronto is bottom of the league. They were the worst team in Major League Soccer this year with two of the highest paid players in the league on their team. And you know the worst part for Insigne, what it is, is that the season he leaves Toronto, his boyhood love of life club finally wins the Italian league at Napoli. And he's not old. Like, he's another guy that... He left, I think, what, 30, 31? Yeah. Um, and it's not like they, uh, Napoli got a deal for him. He was a free transfer. He signed that contract knowing that the, when his contract was up in Napoli, he was going to go on a free and make his money. Yeah, it's, it's, well, I remember he signed it like in the January to, uh, to then make the move yeah. for the next season, right? Yeah. And I think, and maybe not, but I, I think Napoli was like disappointed with that decision like that he did that so um just shows that you know maybe don't look at the money and look at the the whole atmosphere the whole project before you commit and now you're on a contract that no one wants and to the fact that he's willing to take a pay cut all the rumors and go back to to syria and italy and you know go on loan somewhere or anything he's gone out and said like you know i haven't got any offers yet but if there is one that comes in we'll take it pretty seriously so doesn't always doesn't work. always work. Uh, I still love that Rafa Marquez uh, just walking down the tunnel, not even waiting for the red card. Uh, just one of one of the like, old great you moments. You don't see that coming, right? Like if you're, let's say, like a, a Mexican national team fan, and you're in New York, you're like, oh, just a playoff match. Rafa Marquez is going to be so good. <laughs> and then he does a tackle like that. That is a moment that is a core memory for you. Just. You, your your hero just shattering in front of you a little right bit, there. a little bit, and you know, on the other hand, it's it's just existential. I love it. Yeah, I know you love it because you would do the <laughs> same thing. You'd probably like 
cuss your own fans on the way down the tunnel. Just uh, yeah, the jerseys thrown into the fit. You no, 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 you wouldn't throw the jersey into the crowd. You would take it off and hand it to a kid, and then cuss the rest of the crowd out. Uh, and say you, you get the touch of class handing it over to a kid Roy Cycli any parting shots for our listeners here no no parting shots go FC Cincinnati this is my first uh, first leg in the parlay they've got to win so we'll we'll come back in December and see well, how listeners, they do get your Apple TV Plus subscriptions going and if you don't like the MLS you can just watch Hijack with Idris Elba instead <laughs> <laughs>